This episode will contain explicit language, along with spoilers for James Wan's 2015 film, Furious 7. Welcome to a new episode of Franchises and Filmox. It's been quite a while. Um, I haven't released a new episode in a couple weeks. Took last week off, but we are back. We're still in the Fast and the Furious franchise. It seems like it never ends. We are joined once again by my friend Stephen, who is going to chat with us about Furious 7. How are you doing, Stephen? I am doing good. Ready to get done with another iteration of the Fast, <laughs> Fast and the Furious. Furious universe. Of basically the same movie that we've just watched for the seventh time. Another um, movie, another bad guy. Another car, another lot of cars. Um, but yeah, well, also, happy belated birthday to Steven. Oh, thank um, you. What, uh, anything exciting that you've done lately since it's been a while? Not really. There's a long <laughs> pause there. How are you uh, surviving in the heat of the Pacific Northwest right now? You know... Be honest, I'm not doing too bad. I have a ground floor apartment, so it I got that advantage. And there, I just have an air conditioned unit in my bedroom, like nice. a wall one, and oh, it nice. seems to do a pretty good job of keeping the rest of the place cool. I mean, like I have a plug in fan in, and I have a ceiling fan on, so my electrical bill is gonna suck. But yeah, I'm one of. One of the, I think it's like 30% of people that have air conditioning in Seattle. So that's great. Um, built in you have like central a unit, air or conditioning. Is it like, oh, it's central? Yeah, it's wild. And this is a newer building, I guess, uh, like three year, I think like three years old. So I'm grateful. Uh, and I have survived the 110 degree day that I hopefully think is going to be the hottest it has been here in Seattle. So, yeah. Um, I will say, before we start this podcast, I have seen F9, but I am not going to talk about it yet, because I do not want to spoil anything for Steven, who has not seen it quite yet. Um, but it's wild. I'll just say it's wild. It's a Fast and Furious movie. Uh, so if you have seen that, maybe uh, shoot me an email if you're listening to this, and let me know what you thought, and maybe I'll give you some insider thoughts on that, because uh, you'd still be the first person to ever email me. So all that stuff's in the podcast description. But today, yeah, send me an email too. But send it to Zach's email and just address. Yeah, it to there me. you go. Yeah, you can <laughs> you can address things to Stephen, and I will forward it to his email, or I will just text him and be like, "Hey, this person wants to know your opinion on this." Um, but yeah, today talking about Furious Seven, released in 2015. We've got a new director on board right now. Uh, this film was directed by James Wan who is known for directing a lot of horror films. Um, this is one of the few non-horror films that he has directed, but he took over the helm from Justin Lin for at least this one film. Uh, this film had a budget of $190 million, but this film grossed $1.5 billion. And last I was reading, it was like the highest, or it was the quickest to get to $1 billion 
And it was like the highest grossing Fast and Furious film. Now, I'm not sure if that changed. I know that F9 probably did not change that because we are in COVID times now. And I know that messes a lot with the box office. But that is an astonishing number, especially That's for so this much film. Money. <laughs> right? And like $190 million compared to that is like nothing. So good taken. Then Vin Diesel is just loaded is all I'm gathering from this. Yeah. Yeah, no wonder he can negotiate whatever he wants now. Well, I mean, um, he's the producer, too, so he's like his own boss. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, this was also the longest Fast and Furious film, I believe, until F9, which is too long. I won't go too much into that, but it is. Uh, <laughs> this film was two hours and 17 minutes. F9 is two hours and 25 minutes, I think, slightly longer. Uh, and this film is PG-13. Um... I do have a couple of facts, not too many, but uh, this was filmed before and after Paul Walker's death. Uh, so there are stunt doubles used in the film, and those included two of Paul Walker's brothers. I think he only has two brothers, but I didn't research that enough. Uh, but two of his brothers acted as stunt doubles. Um, over 230 cars were destroyed in this uh, making of this film. The majority of the rock stunts were done by his cousin. So more family doing stunts. Um, longest fast film until F9 already talked about that. And apparently James Wan said that the title references Seven Samurai, which I haven't seen, so I can't really comment on that. But Seven Samurai and Furious Seven do not really seem to mesh with me. I, I don't think that that's a huge giveaway. Uh, and I assume the plot is nothing like Seven Samurai. But, Stephen, have you seen Seven Samurai? Yes. Is it anything like Furious Seven? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I, I would love to hear. I was distracted by my dog. Who said it's like Seven Samurai? James Wan. Well, he said that the title... Of the film, I don't think he said the film itself was like Seven Samurai, but apparently he said that the title was um, was made inspired by Seven Samurai, well, which like I they just put. I don't I mean, understand. Just put a word in front of Seven. It's like, well, wouldn't it be I like, like James, Seven? I like James Wan, but that's some BS. Wouldn't it be like Seven Furious? Then it wouldn't yeah, be Furious no, Seven. It's not. It's, <laughs> I don't know. It's, I mean, I feel like someone might have made an offhand comment and be like, oh, like Seven Samurai. And they're just like, yeah. yeah. Totally why we did it. Yeah. Um, I did watch this on DVD. I don't know if you'd be uh, interested in, in doing a little trailer game here. Um, yeah, man, always. Um, all right. So this film came out in 2015. So good luck. This one's actually slightly easier than the other ones, but still not easy. Like, I think you might get one of these, perhaps. Gotta get to my, uh... What came out in 2015, eh? Yeah. So it's probably later 2015, maybe. Although, I can't really say. But I think it would be films that come out on DVD around the same time. About... What's straight out of Compton? No. 
Bam. Um, let's say maybe no. What about what? Jurassic World? Um, no, but that's not too far off, I think. What if I give you the synopsis of one of these? Do it. Okay, but I'm going to... I I assume you've so seen this movie. it's not Scarface? It's not a Scarface remaster? There's no Scarface remaster. <laughs> I will say, before I go into the uh, synopsis of one of the films, there is a trailer for The Fast and Furious Ride at Universal Studios which I don't know if that even still exists. And there is also a trailer for Back to the Future trilogy. So that's like a re-release, I think. And then there's one for the Furious 7 soundtrack. Now, there's three more, and I will read the synopsis of one of them. It is, Malcolm is carefully surviving life in a tough neighborhood in Los Angeles while juggling college applications. Oh, wait, is that just dope? Yeah, yeah, dope. Nice. I got that so fast. That's one of them. And then the other one, there's one that was a Pitch Perfect, and I think it was the second Pitch Perfect film. Um, I don't think it was the first one. And I also didn't know there was a second one. So, And then the last one is, I don't know if you've ever seen a Tremors film, but oh, apparently there's at least five of them because it yes. was a trailer for Tremors 5. Michael Gross is in all of them. Who's Michael Gross? He plays Burt Gomer, which is uh, one of the primary side characters from the first Tremors, who uh, ultimately became like the protagonist for the entire franchise. Hmm. I've never seen a Tremors film, actually. So, well, the first one is an actual classic, monster movie classic, ten out of ten, five out of five movie, whatever you want to call it. Um, Tremors 2 is not nearly as good, but it's still a lot of fun. Yeah. I think I'm gonna... The other ones are pretty watchable, too. Apparently, a Tremors film came out last year. Tremors Shrieker Island? They come, like, straight to the Sci-Fi channel nowadays. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Alright, so that's, um... Yeah, that's the trailer game. That was all the trailers. Do you think, does James Wan have anything to do with the Tremors franchise? No. Okay, it was just a big film at the time, I guess. Tremors 5. Maybe he's a fan of it. I mean, he's a horror director, you know? Yeah, that's why I was wondering. I was wondering if he ever directed one or something, but... So that's the trailer game. That's all the trailers I got. Um... Are you ready to get into the film, or is there anything else you want to say before we dive into Furious 7? Nope, let's ride. Let's ride? Alright, how do you want to go through this one? I'm thinking we go through the film kind of like we did last time, and I will yes. say that I watched this film 15 days ago, so it's not the freshest on my memory. So that might also help me get through it. When was the last time you watched this film? Uh, a few days ago. Three years okay. or so. Okay, and then I did watch F9 after this, so now my brain is like, where am I? Because there are characters in F9 that I didn't remember. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I, I, 
overlapped this movie with two and a half more hours of fast cars. So, um, all right. I think the beginning of this film introduces us to Jason Statham's character, which is Deckard Shaw, who yep. plays the brother of Owen Shaw, who was a previous villain in, oh gosh, which one is he in? The fourth film or the fifth film? Uh, the fifth. Fest uh, five, I think. Wait. No, six. Six? Right? Six? Uh, well, no, because Fast Five was them, like, that's the safe safe scene. There's no safe scene in the Shaw one. The Shaw one's the, um, the airstrip one. Right. Which yeah. is the sixth one. Sixth one. See, right. it's just because we took a, a break in a Tokyo detour. between, so. Yeah, so anyways, the reason that Deckard Shaw's in this is because he is getting revenge for his brother, Owen Shaw, who was killed uh, by, was he killed? Oh my gosh, no, I can't remember. No, he's just comatose, he's comatose. He's, he's oh, that's right, because the opening scene is uh, Jason Statham visiting uh, yeah, Luke Evans like the hospital. in the hospital. Um, so... Deckard Shaw's out for blood, and that's why we reversed to Tokyo Drift, is because at the end of Tokyo Drift, um, Deckard Shaw runs into Han and kills him. Um, So the opening of this film was a little over the top to me, and I didn't really like it. it went back to these like crazy zooms and it felt really different than any other um, Fast and Furious film. That's probably because Justin Lin is no longer at the helm of this film. Um, But there were a lot of crazy zooms and slow-mo of Jason Statham leaving the hospital. And I wasn't a huge fan of that. But then we went straight to Race Wars, which was back. And I still think they really need a better name for that. Uh, but what what do you think of the opening of Deckard Shaw's like revenge by going to a hospital to visit his brother and walking out of the hospital really angry and then it going to credits? I mean, I didn't mind the intro. I, I like overly stylized action pieces. Mm-hmm. I don't mind like the slow-mo and stuff i know some people can find it obnoxious and you know it kind of is but it's also enjoyable i don't know i i think it's just like a good tone setter for what his character is because like you know we're at the seventh movie you have to keep upping the ante right and so yeah they show like the aftermath of what deckard had done which is you know take out apparently like 30 armed soldiers and somehow you know had time to like rig explosives in the hospital and stuff like that as far as like setting the revenge story itself i feel like you know with the power of hindsight it doesn't work too well because like we're gonna you know like slight spoilers for hobbs and shaw but considering it's called hobbs and shaw you know (laughs) shaw isn't exactly like a bad guy in that movie and they spend a lot of time humanizing him and like defending his character mm-hmm. which doesn't work in the beginning of the scene because like your brother's just in a coma why do you need to kill so many people because your brother's in a coma 
and your brother got caught being a dumbass criminal, why do you need to get revenge because he was a dumbass? You know, I don't know. I, I feel like it doesn't like it doesn't hold a whole lot of water to the later defense of Shaw's character that he's like, you know, he was initially framed before he had to become <clears throat> like a criminal in hiding. And so he's yeah. actually a good guy deep down, but it's like, I feel like this movie does a, a pretty like strict uh, setup of like, this guy's a bad guy. Yeah. Definitely. I think it does shift a little at the end, but not, like, very well. Um, I will and give credit to, you know, the Fast and Furious universes. Their villains are incredibly fluid in that no one stays a good guy or a villain for very long. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's yeah that's very true. No one stays a good guy or a villain, and no one stays dead or alive. Um, but... I think that there's there's backstory missing with Deckard and Owen, his brother. Um, so I don't know if maybe we want some flashbacks there or, or what, but <laughs> we I don't get, he's so angry. Of him, of him defending his brother on the schoolyard or whatever. Yeah. That was, that was the one bit of anecdote we got is, you know, it's like you picked fight with every tough kid in the yard and I had to come finish it. Well, that's the thing is like Owen in in the film where he's the villain, there's like no relationship with a brother at all. So it's weird to just bring this guy in and be like, we're really close brothers. He must avenge me. You know, the plot of F9 is like the most well-hidden brother of all time. Yeah, yeah. The man man lives for family and we took nine movies to find out he has more. Yeah, yeah, I I can't get into that without spoilers, but it's nuts. It's a it's a nuts film. Um, moving along, I think that this we should talk about race wars again. Okay, um, yeah, I have a bone to pick real quick. Was yeah, because it's introduced where you know Dom and Letty are going on a drive around. He's trying to jog his memory of their past relationship. Yada yada yada. And then they pull up to Race Wars and Letty is all hyped because like, oh, this is sick. This is where we used to hang out. And Dom turns to her and it's like, hang out. We invented it. It's like, I'm pretty sure they did not invent it. <laughs> I'm like real confident they did not invent it. Go back to the first movie. It, it seems just like, like they're just up. participants. Yes. Yeah. Like it's like a yearly thing they did because it's what they're into. But certainly not. They were never treated like the founders of race wars. But they made it popular. Yeah, maybe they popularized it because they're so notorious. Who knows? I was glad to see race wars, though. It it took me back. Got got a little bit of the nostalgia juices flowing. Yeah. The one thing is, I think it's very different than in the original film. Um, Like, it looks like it's in a different place, even, than it was in the original film. Uh, but I think it's supposed to be in the same place. So I assume maybe they just didn't film it at the same exact spot. I did write that it was wetter, hotter, and Americaner. Um, there's there's a lot of like sprinklers going off and people in bikinis, and it just seems very um, scandalous 
what's going on at these race wars. Um, but Letty has a race and she wins this race. And then out of all nicknames they could give her, they choose to give her ghost girl, which ghost I don't girl, really even ghost get. Girl, ghost girl. <laughs> like, why is she ghost girl? Because she when, got brainwashed and came back. Well, because she disappeared. There's a tombstone in L.A. with her name on it. I assume at least some of those people went to her funeral. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Actually, I didn't really think about that. But it's the yeah. ghost girl is. I I love when they started chanting it. <clears throat> yeah. On a side tangent, there is a a side character. That apparently is from the first movie. His name's Hector. He's the dude that gets punched by Letty because Letty has like a freak out moment where she has like PTSD of being a ghost girl. <laughs> yeah. And punches a dude. So the guy that got punched, I swear I've seen this man in like extra roles in other movies and he always has a flannel on. He never does not have a flannel. I'm telling you. I know. I need to go back to the first movie and like check the tape for Hector, but... Yeah, I'm gonna have to look out for Flannel I Guy. I bet he has a flannel. Maybe You should look out in F9, because I think, like, everyone's in that film, so maybe you'll see Flannel Guy in F9 when you watch it. Um, yeah, we have the the flashback or of, of her, like, PTSD, and then she drives away, right? Yeah, she, she drives to her uh, tombstone. Yeah, she drives to her grave. Uh, first, it transitions to like Brian in a minivan for a couple seconds, and then I it goes the back to Letty. Uh, and it's a weird transition. Um, and then we have Stone Face Dom who kisses Letty, and yeah. well, Dad Brian is best Brian, and I like that scene. I'm also- like okay with that scene, but it's a really weird like spot, and it's a super short sheet. A short scene so i don't know yeah his kid's teacher was hot though <laughs> i don't remember that scene that well um <laughs> oh man she's totally into brian maybe maybe they used that scene because it was one of paul walker's like last scenes and i wonder if they were going to expand I, I, on I that think... story but i don't know yeah, I mean, I, we won't know where it was in the editing process, but I assume, like, they, the movie definitely was, you know, I don't know if it was post or pre-death, but the movie was making efforts to portray him more as the family man now and transitioning yeah. away. So, I mean, yeah. some of these scenes were definitely filmed. Mm-hmm. Although, I, I don't know if I wrote it down, but I feel like in one of the van scenes, it might have looked like the uncanny valley cgi paul walker i'm not sure oh i didn't write it down i wasn't sure so did they cgi him at all in this film yes i didn't know i didn't know they cgi him at all i thought they just used doubles no so like yeah they had the it was like they had the brothers stand in but they cgi'd got it to look more like paul you might have not noticed because you're watching on an archaic hey uh, format Hey now, but <laughs> DVD is the future. It's like crypto. It was the future uh, when Tokyo Drift was filmed. Um, but I think, yeah, yeah, it's like you, you, at least like the last scenes, couple scenes. There's Uncanny Valley where you could tell there's like a little bit of like 
fuzziness around the face. Yeah. And, and it just seems like it's really close to us. Like, this looks like Paul Walker, but something's off. Yeah. I think they did a good job of it, though, as best they, as yeah. best they could. Nothing looks terrible, and nothing looks really CGI. So I think that's good. Um, but yeah, after this minivan scene, we go to Letty's grave scene, and then Dom Stoneface kisses her because uh, he gets all serious when it's just him and Letty. And I don't know why this storyline is so important still that Letty is like brainwashed, but they're keeping it. Um, and then we go to Hobbs. And we get to see Deckard Shaw break into Hobbs's building and Hobbs is or Hobbs like goes up to his desk and he's like, who the hell are you? And then Shaw decides to fight Hobbs and put him in the hospital, which I don't really understand how this happens because Luke Hobbs is crazy strong and he's also sweaty as fuck in this scene. And I don't know why he was so sweaty when he just walked in at first. Uh, but he gets defeated by Deckard Shaw, which I think says a lot about Hobbs' character and makes I him very weak. he gets defeated. He puts him in the hospital, doesn't he? He, like, throws him out a window, well, it's right? because he had a fucking grenade. He blew him hmm. up with a grenade, and he had to jump on Elena and save her life. And that's how he broke his arm and, like, ribs. And, like, yeah. they had a gun and he didn't have... I feel like it was a not fair fight, you know, which is a theme with Deckard. I feel like it was a tie. Mm. I'm, I feel like this movie had a bunch of ties in terms of fights. Okay. Because Deckard was definitely taking a beating, which is why he, like, he's like, ah, F this. Chucked a grenade. Yeah. I did the explosion. I did write that this was an awful fake CGI explosion. I think the like actual explosion in the film looks really fake uh, from what I recall, but it's enough to put Hobbs in the hospital, I guess. And he spends most of the movie there. So I don't know if they just didn't want to pay the rock very much money, but he's not in this film that much. So that's one way to get rid of his character a bit. I wonder if they started having issues then. Uh, I think or Dwayne Johnson and Vin Diesel. Yeah, because there's some contract I think where they cannot share screen time now or something. I don't know. Yeah, I have to look Hobbs into and, that. That's why Hobbs and Shaw was made is because they won't film scenes together anymore, and they didn't in F8. Which is such a shame because I think yeah. them together is like one of the best parts of this franchise. But, I think it's yet. Yeah, it sounds like at least what I have, I've read, like a Dwayne Johnson quote, and he just realized he said like they have uh, very different approaches to the creative process or something. But from my outsider perspective, it seems like Vin Diesel has had uh, ego problems as the producer. Yeah. At least based on the kind of movies Dwayne Johnson does and the kind of roles he tends to play, he, he tends to be more lighthearted and fun. And I feel like Vin Diesel might have tried to, I don't know, take too much control over things and tried Probably. to make maybe his character too important or too perfect at everything. And Dwayne Johnson may have been like, this isn't fun for the movie or something. And yeah, probably. I mean, this is like Vin Diesel's baby, I guess, is huge blockbuster 
franchise, but <laughs> um, I'm, I'm Team Dwayne Johnson just because Vin Diesel's like a little boring in these movies, and I feel like you can kind of tell there might be an ego problem there based on the characters' <laughs> actions. Yeah. I'm okay with like the decisions they make in the stories of these films, but I also like I still just don't see good acting when I see Vin Diesel in these films. Um, it's all very like monotone and doled down and I'm like, show some emotion, Vinny. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, speaking of showing emotion is Dom has to deal with Han's death in this film. And it is the lightest hearted death because Dom like knows Han really well at this point. And he does not take this death like heavily at all. He doesn't really seem to, he seems to move on. We go to the graveyard and Dom only is looking out for revenge, but he like doesn't take any time to really grieve for Han aside from just going to this funeral and being like, Oh, Han's dead. Got to figure out how this happened. And then he plays this game. Copes. Yeah. By like chasing people or yes. Uh, yeah. So then he chases Decker's shot and they have this crazy game of chicken. Uh, and I think they just both crash their cars together from what I remember. Um, yeah, it's almost like a callback to the, you got the balls boy scene from too fast, too furious, but Deckard Shaw has the balls. Yeah. Cause I mean, the cars at this point are insanely strong. So both of their cars are totally fine after this crash. Yeah. Well, not totally fine. We see, but... yeah, Shaw's was like reinforced or whatever. And, Dom makes a comment of it not being fair, and Shaw's like, yes, it's not a street fight, it's not supposed to be fair, or whatever, but I feel like Vin Diesel probably should have died after a head-on collision like that, especially- He's just a brick wall. The car you're running into is, like, steel-reinforced and wouldn't give. Yeah. But, I mean, that's kind of, like, that's kind of the thing in this movie. I didn't mention it earlier, but it's, like, you know, when Shaw was fighting Hobbs, right? He gets punched mm-hmm. a lot, and I feel like a, a punch from Hobbs should break your face and, like, shatter your teeth. Yeah. But he doesn't even bleed. He's, like, he's just built different. Yeah, I do. I didn't really think about the uh, point that you made earlier, too, that, like, Decker just cheats at everything. Uh, <laughs> like, he's not just fist fighting. He's bringing guns to the... Yeah, he's not... He doesn't believe in the fair fight. He's Indiana Jones from the one movie where he just pulls out the gun and shoots the guy with the like, the whip or whatever, or the knife. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to know, so after that scene, Kurt Russell appears. And I want to know your thoughts on Kurt Russell's character in this film. He is like the leader of the special ops group uh, trying to, this is where we finally get to like the actual story of this film, which is they need to hunt down this weapon called god's eye which just lets you track people which doesn't sound that uh much of a weapon to me nowadays with cell phones but uh yeah what are your thoughts on kurt russell joining this franchise so just put kurt russell in a movie and i'll love it i i just i fucking love kurt russell he still looks and just sounds so fucking cool i love that man man he's just like I don't know. When I was watching it and he's there, it's just like, God damn, I love this dude. Made yeah. me just want to go watch Hateful Eight. Mm. I I don't know. I enjoyed that there was like the 
the law enforcement character, or like maybe not law enforcement, the government spook character that that seemed to be a uh, to gain their respect and also didn't try to like a cliche like a cliche like cheat them over at the end or anything. I don't yeah. know. I just like Kurt Russell. Just it doesn't even matter. It, it's like some one of those, just one of those actors for me, where it's like I don't even care at all. Just put him in, and I'm happy. That's true. I do. I love Kurt Russell as well. I think that he is underutilized, which seems like a waste to me in this franchise. I'm like, I don't know if he should have really joined this franchise at all because they don't give him much to work with. Um, but He's he does mysterious. really endorse Belgian ales throughout this film as well, which I didn't get where that was coming from, but he really likes Belgian ale and he will drill that into your head through the course of this two hour and 17 minute film. Um, they was like, they really like were going hard on that Corona Belgian ale joke. Yeah. It wasn't funny enough to begin with to bring it up like four more times. Yeah. I'm also like, I don't know why a belgian ale is so good like i've never heard anyone be like you gotta try a belgian ale um so yes it's a strange it's one of like this the case where i think fast five had the most consistent humor other than like too fast too furious i feel like this movie was an improvement on fast and furious six in terms of the jokes but there's still like some cases like that where they just whiffed and and they just yeah. thought they were really funny and kept whiffing. Yeah. So Kurt Russell joins. I don't remember his character's name, actually. Oh, Mr. Nobody, right? Yeah. Mr. Nobody joins and he is is giving us the rest of the plot for this film, which is to hunt down this other guy named Mose. Uh, what's his last name? Um. Anyways, this other guy named Mose who is who is uh uh who has taken this god's eye weapon or is working on stealing this god's eye weapon so that he can control everything. This is one thing that I don't like about Fast and Furious films is these weapons, like none of the weapons they are using in these films really make sense as to why they're that big of a threat. They're like fake weapons. Uh this one's just to like track people, I guess. Um, it's track. like the it, it's like the security or the camera system Bruce Wayne has in the Dark Knight or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what the I get. The one that he makes uh, his butler quit over. Yeah, but we never really like see these weapons in action. They're just all like kind of in the background of like, oh my god, what will happen if they have this weapon? Well, it's like, we it's, never more ever of a, see it's, like it's more of a software than a weapon, right? It's just like a surveillance system. Yeah, it's a surveillance system so that he can hunt people down. Um, so yeah, they have to hunt down this guy, Mose, and Roman decides that he's the leader of the gang this time, which I think is great. Roman should be the leader. Uh, Wait, Roman so over Dom any day. You keep saying Mose, and I know it didn't help you. Am I wrong? Um, I thought his I'm first name saying... was Mose. Wait, so the like the the terrorist guy they have to stop. Yeah, am I wrong? At least on IMDb, he's just listed as a Jaconde. Yeah, his first name is Mose, though. I think I think it's Mose Jaconde. Okay. 
Um, Most definitely. But yes, Jaconde is the the last name that I could not remember. Um, so either it is Mos Jaconde or Wikipedia was written it's, incorrectly. It sounds pretty good to me. So I think they say it once in the film too, or they like pops up on a screen. But we can call him Jaconde. That's the bad guy, and now I remember his name. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they have to they have to get this weapon from him, and I think that he kind of becomes the main villain. But at the same time, we have Dom trying to hunt down um, Deckard Shaw. So I think that that's a weird choice to make more than one villain and kind of overbloats this movie and makes two plots going on at once. Yeah, well, I mean, like, Jaconde, fine, but... for a while, Jaconde isn't really, like, he, he's, like, a one-off villain, right? Where, I, like, they just, yeah, it, it's just the guy they introduce because they have to get the God's Eye, and then he's gone for a long time. It's on, it's not, like, Shaw's the main villain. It's just not until later Shaw brings him back. Yeah. Yeah. So, when we, when we first are introduced to, um... Jaconde or this this idea that they need to find him Dom says this time it ain't just about being fast which is how we know that we have gone over the cliff when it comes to these films <laughs> and they don't care about racing anymore you see uh, it's not like they took fast out of the title of the movie so clearly it's not about uh, being fast anymore it's just all all revenge at this point doing crazy stunts and then we we go to cars falling out of planes um and someone says touchdown baby it might be roman um it was it was letty it was letty oh letty roman says was, touchdown baby yeah Ro- roman's I like, like uh, freaking out right yeah he's still in the air i feel like they do a good job with uh roman's dialogue in this one i enjoyed most of it as a comedic relief i, I think tyrese does a good job again but yeah anyway, yeah that seems cool the coming out of the planes is pretty sick it's pretty cool. That's like the first like huge stunt I think we really get in yeah. this franchise too. That's like, oh, now we're going in the air. Um, which is a big change or big shift in in the plots. But I do want to know so they're chasing down Jaconde and I wanted to know when the crew got so good at martial arts because they are like fighting people on trucks and it's all punches and everyone on this crew is so good at like punching people that I feel like they all took like classes and are now black belts in karate or something. Yeah, man, it's just, it's just something that happens. Like Brian has evolved even further. Like he was definitely like not much of a fighter originally. And then, you know, in like Fast and Furious and Fast Five, he started like jump punching people, and then now he's you know defeating martial artists or at least staying steady with them. I don't know. It's it's definitely just a jumping the shark moment that you're like, okay. Yeah, I mean, I there is a reason why Letty might be good at martial arts, I guess, because she was like brainwashed for so long. Yeah, she was like trained um, by yeah. Shaw, so there's like one excuse. Uh, uh, obviously, Tej's excuse is I had a life before you met me, Brian, and everyone else's excuse, who knows? Yeah, I think that 
maybe the, this franchise could have benefited from doing the Winter Soldier thing where Letty has like code words um, and then she becomes Winter Soldier. <laughs> maybe that will be like the end of the franchise. That would be pretty good. <laughs> I will say, I, 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 it does, the combat stuff does annoy me. First of all, Brian, during all these fight scenes, like everybody else has like combat gear on. Brian's wearing a zip-up hoodie. That he has there's like an, an open zip up hoodie and it just made me laugh. It's like it's like what he wore in the first movie in like two thousand one. <laughs> Jeans and a zip up hoodie. <laughs> yeah. And he's, you know, going to war in foreign countries. But when he was fighting this guy that I'm I'm sure is an actual martial artist, he really should be toast. And you know, it was like uh Movies keep doing this in these franchises where they're upping the fights so they think, oh, let's bring in actual martial artists to do the fights. It's like the problem with the fights, though, is you can tell the one who's a skilled martial artist is pull, like holding back. It's like the first issue is they're filming it in a way that's not as enjoyable to watch because they have to do quick cuts because they have to hide the fact that it's a stunt double fighting. And not yeah. the actual actor who is skilled in um, doing the fights. And then you can also tell in the scenes where you can actually see it's Paul Walker in the scene. The the guy who's good at martial arts is holding back. And so it makes the fight not believable. It's a problem in the later John Wick movies. Where they keep... Mm-hmm. And I like John Wick because it's still good direction. It's good choreography. And Kiana does his fight scenes and stuff. Mm-hmm. But But they keep upping the game. By bringing in like harder to fight, like almost like boss battles, and you know the problem is, is you have like in like the latest John Wick, uh, they had one of the actors from the Raid franchise, who is you know an insane. Uh, I think it's I think it's a Taiwanese martial artist, and the, the man is absolutely insane. If you've ever seen anything he's done in the Raid. But like he, you can tell he's going so slow in John Wick for Kiana or Keanu. It's, oh. it's just it 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 takes it away from it because you know, like I've seen this guy be an absolute monster on screen, and now I'm seeing yeah. him like hold back for a fifty year old man. <laughs> it's kind of what it felt like in in this a little bit. It's not like a huge huge issue, but I don't yeah. know. I I they just it they just feel the need to up stuff i like when he says too slow though oh yeah you like why he's like too slow too slow yeah he's a he's a pretty fast guy too yeah so got that scene followed by like another crazy car stunt where dom decides to jump his car or back his car off a cliff and it falls all the way down a cliff and he somehow survives this insane crash uh, because he reinforced his car, I guess. Um, but I thought there was some really horrible slow-mo during this, and the fall was, like, way too long. Uh, so I don't know. It was a little over-dramatized, which I think is my prob- my main problem with this film in general, is it feels very overly dramatized with a lot of the action. Um, and maybe it's just because it's slower. Though. 
That's true. I mean, they're just I'm trying like, to one-up okay the last movie now. Yeah, I'm okay with it because it's, like, at this point, you know, like, make it as insane as possible. Yeah. Also, I'd like to correct a statement I made earlier. Yeah. He's a Indonesian martial artist from John Wick, and The Raid is an Indonesian film. I, I apologize. Do you know the person's name at all, or no? I, th- I believe it was in John Wick, I believe it's a Joe Taslam. It's not the guy in... Uh, this movie. Hmm. He wasn't uh Fast Furious Six though. He was the other guy that was doing parkour, part of Owen's team. Oh, I feel like I very vaguely remember who that might be. You remember those like Han and Han and Tyrese chase him through the subway and then get their ass kicked. That's a pretty funny scene where. Oh yeah, yeah. they keep yeah. trying to double team him and he just keeps destroying them. Yeah, yeah, that's a good martial arts scene for that guy. So, yeah, so they, yeah, that that guy is the guy from the raid. He's insane, super talented, and I I think he's the one in John Wick that was holding back. Or maybe I think not. after I after I finish this franchise, I need to rewatch the raid uh, to get some real like good action going. And um, the raid too. I'd recommend. I don't know well. if I've seen the raid too, actually. So I should watch that. It's very long, isn't it? Like two yeah, and a half that, hours. I feel like the the movie is uh, takes a very um uh what's the word? It, it's ambitious in the story it tries to put together in terms of it as you know compared to the first one. But the fighting is just as good, and I think the story works well enough that it's a ton of fun. Yeah. The fight scenes are just incredible, though. Yeah. So after this encounter with Jakande, we move on to the UAE. Um, and oh. oh, yeah, go ahead. Before you move on. Yeah. The yeah. end of the scene is like the bus flips over that they've been fighting in. It was when right. uh, two slow man locks Brian in and it's sliding off the cliff. Yeah. This like that scene is such heavy like Jurassic Park 2, the Lost World influence. Ooh. From Steven Spielberg. I know like the movies I I like the movie a lot. It's certainly lesser of the Jurassic Worlds, but that's like I feel like one of the like a pretty iconic like tense action sequences when like the RV in that movie is hanging over the cliff. And there's so a character some... stuck inside the RV and they have to get out before it falls over. It's just like a masterful action sequence, but it reminded me heavily of that. Yeah, it's probably inspired, got some inspiration going from there. I've actually never it seen has to be, yeah. the second or third. How many are in the like original Jurassic Park? I think there's like four or three. It's uh, a trilogy. It, it's three. There's yeah, three. there's three. There's two books, and there's two movies, and they made the third one, and yeah. I've only seen the first one of the Spielberg one, so yeah. But I'll have to look for that in the second one. Maybe I'll do that on this podcast at some point as the Jurassic franchise. Um, yeah, man. Okay, so now traveling, I guess, to the UAE. Is there anything else in that that? crazy scene of hunting Jakande that you wanted to talk about before we go nope. on? Let's go to the desert. All right. So we go to the desert and 
I have to say that all of these films, like there are so many films that just want to show off the money that these countries have. Um, and this film is not an exception. Like I think it's Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol, they go and it's just all like luxury stuff. So it's pretty cool to add to your films in a big blockbuster film. Um, it is otherworldly, kind of. It is. It makes me want to travel there uh, to experience it. But I'm also like, I don't think I have the money to like eat at a restaurant at this and location. And not filmed is all the slums that are like a few miles outside. Yeah, the like cities. the surrounding neighborhoods. Yeah. Um, but this, this cool party has girls painted in gold. Um, yeah. and it's got Ronda Rousey for some reason shows up in this franchise, uh, who has some extremely stiff acting in this film. Um, so not a fan of that, but I mainly want to talk about this amazing stunt where they are trying to get this car out of this skyscraper and to the do Larkin this. Larkin Hypersport, Lycan Hypersport. Yeah, that's the that's the car. Yep, they say there's only seven made. In the world. Yeah, were they getting something from inside the car, or was it the car itself? It, it was the god's eye was installed. It was like in a chip a, in the car or something. Well, it was like the flat. It's like the drive for the god's eye was uh, stored in a just the electronic like computer drive for the car. Ah. Yeah. So yeah, we've got this fight over that going on, and they somehow have to get out of the building, and they decide to jump. This is uh, Brian and Dom jump between buildings, and it is insane. Um, probably Dom my favorite stunt in the film. Before they drive in the car, Dom lifts it himself to let Brian underneath it, which is ridiculous. Yeah, that dude's a brick wall. He survives like three car crashes already in this film before we even get to this part. So, um, yeah, this, this is a fun stunt. It's really fun. I really like the lighting of this as well. Like, it definitely feels luxury, even though they're like breaking through all these windows when you see this car like jump between buildings. It's really cool to jump between buildings that are clearly not meant to have cars jumping between them. Uh, through the yeah, glass windows a, but it's a well-filmed scene there's definitely like a lot of this scene has a lot of um kind of cliche scenes for like movies that have action sequences that are taking place outside of a skyscraper they always like you know the scene's really loud and then it cuts to a scene of random people inside the skyscraper that's really quiet that's supposed to be like the break of comedy or something yeah, it's like, oh, look at these normal people unaware of the craziness happening outside. Yeah. And I, also, I do like that in action films. But. Yeah, it's okay. Um, I, did, I am looking at my notes, and I, I wrote down a quote that I will not let them pass on, is when they start the car... I think I know exactly they start what jumping it, about to Vin say. Diesel, you know, looks at the camera and says, time to unleash the beast. Yes, I wrote that down as well. Yeah, so that's amazing. I, mean, I just wanted to bang my head on the table after that. You're disappointed in that quote, or excited? I, I, I didn't like. I didn't like it. I don't know. It's like it, it's almost. It's just. It's not 
it's just time to unleash the beast. Like, really? It's time to unleash the beast. Um, oh, man. Yeah, so after that, I guess I'm kind of just going through to the end here uh, because nothing else is too exciting. They're just kind of traveling a lot, hunting down Shaw and uh, uh, Jaconde. So. Yeah. Brian has a nice scene before with like when he calls his his wife oh well, yeah i thought that was a pretty good scene like that was like they had they did the sand the call back to the tuna sandwich yeah yep it's a Brian's, full yeah. callback so ryan pretty think... much like says uh, only mourn me for like 24 hours <laughs> which i thought was funny it's like you have 24 hours and you can get over me yeah I I assume they inserted that scene um, after. I don't know because it feels like the best tribute, like in the because I mean the tuna sandwich thing. I don't know why they would really bring that up if they know they're making more films. Um, so well, I, I mean, I think it was just a relationship building scene. I don't know, maybe because it's not like he dies in the movie. So yeah, yeah, I'm I'm curious because. It is a good scene to watch after. It's it's kind of it, it made me tear up a bit. Um, yeah. So, so then, yeah, Shaw then somehow knows to... like where they are, right? Like at all times. Yeah. Kind of where we're at. The, like he like I feel like we might have glossed over it, but he crashes all of these scenes at the end. Like he shows up in the Jaconde fight, shows up at the desert. Yeah. Car jumping scene, and then you know f- finesses his way out of that till we get to like this last fight in L.A. or whatever. Yeah, and and Dom and Shaw play chicken again, and this time Dom's car eats Shaw's car for breakfast. <laughs> yes. He does this and... uh, finishing move, which is him doing a wheelie. How do you wheelie a car is what I... That's all I want this this franchise to explain I, I think to me. It's, well, I mean, you can wheelie cars in real life, but it's like it's like a lot of weight in the back and then like a shit ton of horsepower. Yeah. I want to see The Fast and the Furious presents American Wheelie um, or, or America Wheelie. I, I want a spin-off film of just people doing wheelies in... You could just go to like uh, real drag races, see some real life wheelies. That's a thing. I I still c- yeah. cannot comprehend how this works. But... I've been to one like there's a couple here in Spokane. Where, like there's one that I've gone to a few times. It's like a race thing that's on a drag strip, and they'd have like the supercars and stars the stuff that are like really loud, and then the drag dragsters and a couple cars that can do wheelies. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to have to look up footage of this because now I just want to learn. Do you think a Nissan Versa can no. do a wheel? <laughs> 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 All right, guess I won't try that in my car. Um, yeah, so Dom's car eats Shaw's car by doing a wheelie, and it's glorious and one of the coolest things on the screen. Um, and then right after that, Dwayne The Rock Johnson just flex out of a flexes out of his cast 
uh, and returns to the film. Hobbs is back. Dude, so flexing out of a cast is one of the manliest things I've seen in my life. And it really, like, made me question myself. Like, <laughs> I I stepped on a dog toy yesterday and it really hurt. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like stubbing your toe is, like, the worst thing in the world. Yeah, and this um, man, like, sees, like, gunfire on TV and an explosion in the distance and just gets up and is like, Daddy's got to go to work. Flexes <laughs> his broken arm out of the cast. So wheelies are real, but is flexing out of a cast real? Is that something that someone can do? Because I don't think so. I feel but... like they could do it, but it would hurt a If your lot. arm's made of, like, titanium. <laughs> but... Yeah, it's pretty. It's a good way for Hobbs to return, um, even if it's for the short like battle at the end. Uh, but then the street wins, and as Dom says, the street always wins and swallows people. Um, <laughs> yeah, and Dom Dom was a good sport in this. He could have shot Shaw with a shotgun, but released the bullets and pulled out some wrenches and was like let's fight yeah this was a good like um introduction i think to shaw's character and about how he fights and cheats um because he does they do use that later a lot too is he's like more this guy that thinks about the battle as opposed to like just fighting yeah Um, he doesn't just like yeet himself into it like dom yeah uh so then shaw's defeated but Jaconde is still going around in this chopper shooting. He's also at people. kind of yeah. He's like turned on Shaw kind of because he like he just wants to kill Dom for some reason now when he can't get the God's Eye. And so like the one guy was like, "Hey, Shaw's in the way," and he's like, "Our friendship has come to an end." Yeah, shoots missiles at him. Yeah, and it's pretty glorious because. Dom decides to have his car eat a chopper then uh, by jumping it into the chopper, is what I mean. Um, that was Dom, well, right? He, that he does misses, that? Well, he misses the chopper. Oh, he misses the chopper. He puts the... He, he somehow clips on the bag of grenades from Shaw's car while oh, soaring right, right. through the air next to the chopper in the car, which... Right. I mean, like... I'd never be able to do it because I think I have pretty short arms. So I don't think I'd be able to reach the <laughs> reach the helicopter from out the window. You know those like machines you gotta take tickets from or something if you go to like a like a parking garage? Yeah. Yeah, it's like I have Are you to a door unbuckle. opener guy? I no, I have to unbuckle though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to, open I have the to door. unbuckle and walk out. Yeah, um, so this scene had, like, <laughs> you know, Kevin Hart's uh, character from Hobbs and Shaw. You know, he for sure would have had to open the door to clip on the back of the <laughs> Oh, yeah, Kevin Hart short jokes going on here. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that it would have been a lot easier to just hit the chopper with your car. But I guess that's not what Dom was even trying to do then, because he knew what he was doing, right? Yeah, I think that was his his plan all along, which is like this is the second uh, stunt related to flying a vehicle at or in something, because the Rock's return is taking down the Predator drone, 
by ramping a ambulance off of a bridge straight into it. Yeah. And Crazy. I just like that scene was also like straight out of Live Free or Die Hard. <laughs> when Bruce Willis kills a helicopter with a car. Oh yeah, I forget that happens. Yeah, Dom's turned into like Bruce Willis. Or he's turned into uh Oh, I just forgot the guy's name. The guy in Die Hard. McLean. Yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, then Dom kinda dies at the end of this. Uh yeah, again. Wait, when did he previously die? Well, the, they had the fake-out death in uh, the end of 6, when they all think he's dead from the plane blowing up on the oh, runway. Oh, yeah, but that one's, like, really short. They don't really grieve much. Yeah, this um, one would be a little more grieving. He gets this a 10 count. There's a fight between Letty and Brian about whether they should do CPR or if Letty should just talk into his ear to revive him because apparently that works better. <laughs> I was um, so mad at that scene where he's like providing legitimate medical aid. She's like, get <laughs> off of him! <laughs> I don't know where that came from. It so was so weird. So she can weird. just whisper in his ear, I remember everything, Dom. Like, oh, all right, Letty, you're into this kind of medical treatment, I guess. She cures him with, if you die, I alternative die. Alternative medicine. Yeah, she says, if <laughs> you die, I die, which cures him. The Romeo um, and Juliet. Uh, but why can't they die together? Tactic. I don't I don't get it. Um, also, Dom didn't die when Letty died, so. Yeah. No, pretty that, one-sided that romance going on here. A little uh, <laughs> unfair, I'd say. Yeah. So that leads us basically to the end of this film uh dom does not die because there are many more films to come uh he's revived by letty's amazing memories her Um, monologue was so boring by the way i wrote down like this is a snooze (laughs) it's just very like like, cliche body yeah it's very cringy i'm like just have brian give him cpr and then he can go (gasps) and then it's good but no yeah they want to go for this uh, instead. And I don't know what this teaches children. Like, I'm pretty sure that if you see someone die, you should do CPR. You shouldn't just go whisper in their ear and hope they'll survive by their memories of you. Um, so, although I don't know what this film was teaching children before this scene anyways. Children probably shouldn't do what's in these films. Um, yeah, don't take Letty's advice and pretty much anything (laughs) yeah yeah don't Uh, die when your uh boyfriend dies don't do that yeah Um, i mean that's just not a good idea don't ride or die don't ride or die belt and ride safely um live your life a whole mile at a time is what i'm gonna say give yourself more than a mile too (laughs) 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 um so then we are led to the beach scene, which is the very last scene. And this is our tribute to Paul Walker. Yep. Who passed. And Dom notably says, it's never goodbye. And then the Wiz Khalifa song comes on. Yeah. Um, 
Is Wiz Khalifa, right? Yeah, Wiz Khalifa. Yeah. The, you know, despite this, the song, you know, is intentionally made to pull on heartstrings, and I don't think it's a great mm-hmm. song. But I do think this Paul Walker tribute was really nice. I liked the montage to him in the past movies. I thought it was tasteful. I liked the for Paul message at the end. It, it got to me a little bit, you know. It's not. It's probably the only ending to a Too Fast, Too Furious movie that is like legitimately like heartfelt. Yeah, I think there's there's so many ways they could have gone about his death in real life and how they want to use him in the franchise going forward. Like if they wanted to kill him and they don't do that, which I think is great. It was tasteful. It was a tasteful montage. It was a good send off for just the character in the movie too, you know, as well as him. And yeah. And in this, in this franchise, he's still alive after this film. Um, And they still use his character a little bit uh, here and there. Um, You don't, I don't know if you see his character at all in, the fate of the furious because i haven't seen it in a very long time um but he's still in in the family and he's still uh it does feel like every end of these films now is like a montage to him or not a a tribute to him um i think the the cookouts and stuff it's like the last three movies we've ended with them like on a beach or a house by the water as they're like, ah, we can just live our lives normally now. This one I think was a little different because it did feel pretty final that like, just because everybody was on the beach watching him, which, which is a part I liked, like, you know, it it was clearly like, um, one of Walker's brothers because he was like playing with, uh, Jack or whatever. And like his back was turned and it was like the whole cast just watching him kind of acknowledging that like he needs to stay with his kid or something so like it it felt more final than the other ends have yeah that's true um so i think it's it's a great ending um the song i think is fine it does its job um and nothing feels it doesn't feel like they overdo the tribute and they, it doesn't feel like they underdo it either. So I'm happy with it. Um, that's all I really have to say about furious seven. Uh, do you have more you want to say? Should we do ratings? What do you think? Yeah, so I have a few highlights, uh, from the movie okay. going through my notes. I did like, you know, we kind of mentioned it, but in the Shaw fight, when the, the street one and eight Shaw alive, um mm-hmm. did Vin Diesel break the ground with his foot? Cause like the the ground was cracked but it wasn't collapsing yet, and then he like stomped and then half of the parking garage ground like broke off. Yeah, I think Are they that was insinuating that he, that he <laughs> From he my recollection, yes. See this? Okay. I mean he already lifted a car in this film True. that you saw, so and that's just his arms. I think legs are stronger than arms a lot of the time. So, and I mean, yeah. he's got push the gas pedal all day. So, <laughs> he's got some strong legs. His workout routine is uh, flexing yeah. his foot on a gas pedal. Um, he has a weighted gas pedal, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Fifty pounds of muscle to do it. Um, there is a Paul Walker gets a rematch against the martial artist, or Brian gets a rematch, I should say. And that man gets rolled in that fight. 
he like falls down a flight of stairs and then Brian like tethers him to a giant weight and he falls down an elevator shaft. Hmm. That was a rough death. Yeah. Gotta admit. I don't remember that that death. Oh really? Is, that uh, yeah, you know, Brian you know managed to take out all the guys that were sent to like kill him before he could get to the tower. He gets the he, like, slides across the ground on a cart while shooting a gun, which is pretty cool. Mm. Some bad I boy shit. I do think the, um, the end of this film, like, once we get to the helicopter parts, anything that's not, like, Dom and Deckard is not too exciting to me. Mm, yeah. And it might just be the length of this film got to me a bit. Um, and also, Jaconda is just not a great villain. Like, No, they should not have. He's just have... a mercenary, basically, so... I think they could have done something else without bringing Jaconde back. I, I feel like they could have just had Deckard do more than just 1v1 Dom. Yeah, like, maybe maybe Deckard could have, like, killed Jaconde on his own, and we yeah. didn't really have to see it, or we see it like a, an assassin type of thing. And yeah, then... Deckard could have been flying the helicopter himself, too. He could have yeah. even, like, had his own, honestly, nameless henchman doing it for him. Cause... Yeah. But there we is, gotta have the parking garage scene still too, so there is a couple highlights from the whole sequence. One, I do think, because uh, they they're keep playing keep away with Ramsey and cars, they do do a sick transfer between um Brian's car to Rome's car where they like each do a donut while driving together, like a synchronized dance. Oh yeah. Where yeah. the two cars like spin together simultaneously and they transfer her between the windows. Mm hmm. Because there's like a missile coming towards the car. That was a cool scene. That was pretty cool. Yeah. I remember that. And then there also is another callback to Fast and Furious 1 when Brian, while he has Ramsey in the car, like presses the button and the hydraulics send the car lower and he goes underneath the semi. Mm-hmm. That was sick. Love any any scene that has a car going under the semi. I only like the one where the car was run over in like Too Fast, Too Furious. Or whichever yeah. one. I think, you know, one thing we didn't really talk back. about. <laughs> yeah. One yeah. thing we didn't talk about at all was Ramsey. And I think oh, she's, yeah. she's just really forgettable. Yeah, she's... Uh, yeah, she joins I think she's the pretty crew. forgettable. She, she's the hacker. She's also... She created the God's Eye, right? Or something? Yeah, you know. She's also attractive, which the movie likes to point out to us. In the mm-hmm. one scene where I, I do like the part where Letty does say to Tej in Rome that you guys got stalkerized, and she was right. Oh being yeah, very soccerish. Yeah, I think that the issue is she's uh, very much like a side character in this in this film. Um, so she doesn't have a lot of lines, and but she's, she's in the there, program. but only really to hack um, yeah. and like fix the issue that she made. So, but she does join the crew. Um, yeah. I don't remember if she's in. She the other films in, in a bigger F8. portion, or eight? I believe she is. Okay, 
I assume she is because yeah, it looks like she is according to Letterboxd at least. Yeah. Um, she's because so, they definitely made a point now. that she is a part of the crew. Yeah. Yeah, she's gonna take Ludacris's job as the hacker. He, he's still like she. Well, she's just the niche hacker. Ludacris is still everything else tech. He's more like the weapons equipment. Maker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Do you ever, one thing I had written down in my notes is like, these guys never carpool. I was noticing in like the last scene on the beach, there's like six cars parked above the beach. And then like the scene where they go into the, the desert and the Emirates is like, a, yeah. all six of them in their own cars driving there. It's like, guys, like you can carpool. My God. Like but, they're on like a, a time constrained mission here to get Shaw and they all have to like somehow get their own cars in a completely different country to drive to a place. Just get a van, everybody pile in. But you think that these these people are capable of being passengers in another person's car? Because I don't. Dude, could you um, think about the backseat driving if you ever drove oh my gosh. anywhere? The, the Dom would be, like, texting you, hey, can you pick me up uh, from the bar? I had one too many drinks. And you go pick him up, and he's going to be like, oh, do you always drive this slow? Well, it's like, I can be drive awful. better than you, drunk. Um, yeah. Be awful. I don't think it would, it, would, it would not be good. I think all of them would be pretty awful backseat drivers. Um, the only person that I think would not be a terrible backseat driver is, like, Tej. Um, he does seem I think pretty he'd be chill. Fine. Just give him like a computer in the back seat so he can work on whatever he does in these films. And yeah, because he's, he's a good nerd now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but party boy to full on nerd. Um, yeah. What else? You got anything else? No, I think that's everything. All right, I want to hear what you would rate this film. Yes, I, I'll give it a. Give it a three out of five. I think it's an improvement over six. I, I think Jason Statham is a lot better than Luke Evans. So that's an improvement yeah. in the villain front. I I think it's funnier. I I do think there's like shorter, more memorable action sequences with uh, the heist scene at the beginning of the movie. You know, Kurt Russell's in it and you got the car through the building scene. Nice Brian tribute at the end. Paul Walker. I it's probably yeah. It's like probably one of the only memorable endings to one of the Fast and Furious movies. Um, but I think you know it's like plot wise is a little messy with Jaconde and he's boring as hell. And they could have used Deckard more. They could have used Dwayne Johnson more. Yeah, I I think that about sums it up you know it's it's lesser than fast five for sure too fast too furious mm-hmm. but it's uh it's back to the the pretty like standard formula i mean they got it they got it down to a t yeah. now i think how they make these movies it's just kind of the little things that rise it or fall it mm-hmm yeah, I'd agree. I gave it a three. Um, nice, yeah. Did you say, an, I don't know if you said a number, I said three, if, if yeah. you want to give one, a three. I okay. did three, yeah, three. Um, 
I think it's it's a pretty standard new fast or yeah new newer Fast and Furious film. Anything after like Fast Five, I guess, or starting at Fast Five is a lot different and more linear. I think. Yeah, um, that, like I feel like <clears throat> like Phase One. If we want to talk in Marvel terms, <laughs> Phase One was yeah, like the first one too Fast Too Furious, and honestly, you could even put. Tokyo Drift in there and then it's like Fast and the Fast and Furious was or Fast and Furious was like a transition piece and then phase two is pretty much five and after. Yeah. Although maybe yeah, I... uh maybe phase three now is Hobbs and Shaw onward. <laughs> as it as it seems like it's gotten even crazier since Hobbs and Shaw. It's crazy stuff in F9. I'll say that. But I'm anticipating it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think this is like right in the middle of the Fast and Furious films uh, when it comes to a ranking. Yeah. Uh, it's enjoyable. It's an enjoyable blockbuster with some cool stunts. It and is they too went long. up to the last film. It is too long. Yes, I agree. I think for um, a movie like this, I don't know, like the you just sit down, enjoy crazy action for a while. I think you want it to be like at most two hours, um, unless you're doing something yeah. real mad, like some real wacky shit. Two hours is good. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, so that leads to the next film, uh, which is The Fate of the Furious. And we'll be recording that podcast at some point soon, probably I, next week. I do have something I almost yeah, forgot yeah, to yeah. bring up and is from earlier in my notes and I was going to save it for the end. And so on Letty's tombstone, I was doing a bit of investigating, pause it to make sure it did say her death was 2009, which was the year... Fast and Furious was released, I believe. Hmm. And I was thinking we could piece together how old Sean Boswell exactly is in Fast 9 with this little bit of date information. Because if Fast and Furious takes place, we know now for a fact in 2009... Tokyo Drift happens two, it's like three movies apart from 2009. And it happens immediately, basically immediately before seven. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, I feel like Dom makes a mention to how long they've been together or something. So I'm willing to bet that Furious 7 is like you know came out in 2015 i'm willing to bet it's like 2013 to 2015 Mm -hmm. so we could i feel like we could guess that tokyo drift happens 2013 to 2014 and sean is at most 17 in that movie yeah which then then it's a matter of how much time happens between eight Hobbs and Shaw and nine. Which... You want to know how old he is in like F9? 
Yes, because I want to know how old is how uh, like young a thirty nine year old man is playing down. Uh, yeah, that's I like mean, I would assume he is at most like twenty five. Then right, I feel like that might even be a little low. Because hmm. even if F nine is happening real time in twenty twenty one. That's still only oh, yeah. 24 years old at most. Yeah. That's that's something, man. <laughs> also oh, goes man. to show that uh, Tokyo is apparently... Mm, what, like, six years behind in technology? Clearly established by this timeline? With their yeah. fit, with their uh, 480p video recording flip phones in 2014. Yeah, the instant messaging is still like strong on the cell phone. Yeah, they too. didn't get the iPhones then. They they still had the iPod. They have like pagers. The iPod <laughs> Nanos. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, chronologically, this might not work out as well, but <laughs> it's my favorite bit of Fast and Furious. And I I can't get enough of Sean being a a forty year old man, yeah, playing a twenty year old. I'm excited to talk about F nine with you soon, um, because there's a lot to un- unpack there. But <laughs> I might see it again also because I don't know if I'm gonna remember enough. Um, <laughs> but I don't know if I can make it through another two and a half hours of the film again. So. We'll did see you, what happens. Did you get like one of the commemorative popcorn tubs that's like a hubcap? No, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, I, I think it was like a thing for like AMC Stubbs members or something. I don't know. Oh. Um, I wonder how much that costs now. Like $30. <laughs> All right. Well, I think, are we good now? Yeah. We, we have anything else or are we good? Nope. All right. So next episode is going to be F8, The Fate of the Furious, released in 2017, directed by F. Gary Gray, who I have seen one of his films apparently, and that would be Straight Outta Compton. And I love Straight Outta Compton. So I'm excited to rewatch The Fate of the Furious uh, and probably be disappointed, but uh, excited to rewatch it nonetheless and talk about it here probably sometime next week, but we'll be working that out eventually. Um, thanks for joining me, Stephen, once again, and looking forward to getting through these next three films. We've got three films left. Um, there also might be a combination episode, depending on how much we feel we can talk about F9 once Stephen sees it. So, We'll figure that out, but we're going to get through the franchise eventually. We're almost there, and we will talk to you all next time. Peace.